It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme and the glorious Indian summer is drawing to a close with those rain showers that I mentioned there and they're going to be mixed with cooler temperatures and Met Aaron says it's going to give us a real autumnal feel to the weather over the next 10 days or so. The rain showers will sweep over the country from this afternoon. This is as cooler Atlantic conditions are replacing what was this wonderful high pressure that we had that gave us almost like a Mediterranean type weather for the past week or so. Starting at the weekend uh, it, it was lovely and I met Aaron are saying to people who are on a staycation at the, mo- at the moment they can expect very unsettled conditions and the temperatures are even dropping as well. I mean we had balmy highs of in the low 20s over the last number of days at some stage across this week. I think, he, I think particularly around Thursday they reckon that the mercury is going to drop to about about eight degrees. <laughs> so, so I think winter woolies it certainly is time for the winter woolies we welcome you along to the programme today Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls if there's anything you want to share with us 1850 333 103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we had a number of people yesterday and we were talking about it on the programme with the video footage that had gone viral over the weekend of what appeared to be a rave some people were talking about a street party others uh, were calling it and it was in a flat complex area of Dublin and all of the papers today are saying that a Garda investigation has been launched into the, this party that happened. It was near the Oliver Bond flat complex in Dublin city centre and I have to say and there's interviews on a lot of the papers today and I heard them on some of the national radio stations yesterday the people that live in and around the Oliver Bond flat complex area of Dublin, the residents there, you couldn't help but feel sorry for them because none of them were involved in this party. Many of the people who turned up at this rave didn't live anywhere near the Oliver Bond flat uh, complex. Guardian are investigating whether the organisers of the event breached COVID-19 restrictions on outdoor gatherings. I could safely say they did breach restrictions on outdoor gatherings. An investigation is also underway into the possibility that drug dealing was taking place at the party which happened on Saturday evening. Bearing in mind that Saturday evening was the first day 
of the new restrictions that came into place for Dublin. Scenes from the party emerged in recent days have sparked outrage amongst Dubliners who now of course have to endure all of these new restrictions and the new restrictions are in place for the next three weeks and nobody really knows what's going to happen at the end of the three weeks because if stupid people continue to have gatherings like what happened on Saturday evening, then you could nearly predict the numbers are not going to fall in Dublin and those three-week restrictions will end up being uh, extended. Senior government sources insisted there are no plans to introduce new laws that would give the Gardaí legal powers to break up large gatherings and to break up house parties. And here really is where the problem lies. Certainly for members of Angarda Siakona, they are becoming increasingly frustrated over the lack of powers that the Gardaí have, they'll receive a complaint from members of the public who'll say to them like, I mean certainly people around that flat complex when they realised all of these young people were gathering in such large numbers they started contacting the Gardaí to say look you need to get down here, you need to do something about it. We certainly know here in uh, Cork and in the areas up around by the colleges there's remember all the house parties the COVID parties that were going on and the neighbours there were ringing the Gardaí to say you know 30 people have gone into a three bedded house and the music is blaring can you come and do uh, something about it so the Gardaí are certainly getting the complaints from members of the public about all of these parties but as the Gardaí are saying they're getting very frustrated because they say all we can do is show up and we ask the people to disperse and if they do that's great but if they don't there's nothing more we can do. I mean, what are they doing? They're, they're educating and they're encouraging people to move on, but there's nothing else they can do. Residents in the Oliver Bonflants said they called the Gardaí on a number of occasions on Saturday night when the party was taking place. Now, video footage from the complex shows it's about a hundred people all dancing all having a great time there was a DJ performing they put up a marquee they'd obviously got I'm assuming they must have brought some kind of a generator with them I don't think anybody was giving them the, the their electricity a lead into their house maybe it was but to me it looked like there was some kind of a generator but you know this was well organised the fact that a marquee got erected with a DJ turning up with all of the DJ equipment now after the event the residents then found dozens of of canisters of this nitrous oxide gas oxide gas this is the the little canisters they're no, it's known as a hippie gas it's used in cooking isn't it and young people now have realized that they get a high from breaking these little canisters uh, and inhaling the gas so it's become known as hippie crack you can get it seemingly very easily on the internet um, and a lot of young people are using this so after the event obviously there's a big mess left behind which residents got help and probably went down themselves and cleared up and they noticed there was literally tens of dozens of these canisters there was also small plastic bags believed to have contained drugs which were also found scattered on the astro turf part pitch that had been used. I saw a picture as well of one area of the AstroTurf pitch which had all been ripped up because of the party and you think you know this is a pitch that was put down for the young people that live and for the children that you know the families who live in and around the Oliver Bond flat so that the kids can have a bit of a kick around and suddenly part of the AstroTurf is dug up. Now there there was confusion when the Gardaí suggested that they, they were not investigating the incident however that's later been clarified that they, they're investigating the organisers of the event 
rather than the hundred or so people who were in attendance and the focus of the operation is going to be on identifying the organisers and then trying to establish whether drugs uh, were sold and whether drugs were consumed at the event well I think the evidence is already there that drugs were consumed whether they were sold or not I don't know but the Gardaí are saying what we've got to try and do now is find a loophole in which to prosecute somebody so they're trying to see can they look at the person there has to be someone or a group a small group of people who decided to organise it so can they go after those for organising an event at a time when we know you're not allowed to have more than isn't it 15 people gathered outside and that number is probably even less because it was in Dublin on the day that the new restrictions came in but there was there was a lot of Confusion is, is the right word and a lot of people were very annoyed with the Gardaí when it was said that the Gardaí were looking to see could they investigate and why they weren't investigating and everybody's saying sure it was a very obvious breach of the restrictions but then the Gardaí are explaining we don't have the rules, the laws are not there. All we can do is ask people to move on. They were there at one stage but then it, it had a sunset clause so there was a period of time where Gardaí could have prosecuted people but they're, they're not allowed to do it anymore now whether we need new laws and I'm wondering you know is that what people want do we do we want the Gardaí to have the powers that they can actually go into a private house and if there's 30 or 40 people having a house party that they can go in and say to the people still go go by the educate and encourage try and encourage them to leave and if they don't should they have the powers to actually prosecute the people that gather in large numbers like that are are on you are you on the side of the people who say hold on a tick now that's a huge breach of our civil civil liberties and we shouldn't it shouldn't be a case of the guard they should be allowed to just come in and break up a house party or if there's a group of people meeting they can go and say to them you shouldn't be doing it but if they want to remain then it's their individual choice we hear the civil rights uh, people come constantly say you know we need to we need to keep our civil liberties and the Gardaí that is a step too far to allow the Gardaí to do that so I welcome your thoughts on that would you like the Gardaí to have the powers and the example being that street party that rave last Saturday if the Gardaí if the legislation was there should the Gardaí be able to go in and actually arrest or either fine Everybody was there rather than arrest. I don't think anyone would, I don't think anyone would want to go quite so far as to arrest unless somebody is just point blank refusing. Uh, but should they be able to go in and find these people? Would you like to see them if your neighbour is having a house party? Would you like to think that if you called the Gardaí that the Gardaí would be able to go in and would be able to break up that house party and or find the people who were involved, either the organisers of it or the people who would actually uh, attend it? And we know because of the restrictions that are in in Dublin that we have rising numbers of COVID-19 in Dublin. And yesterday we were looking at the figures that have been released and looking at Cork in particular. But it's interesting also to look at the figures for Dublin to see how and why is COVID-19 spreading so much in Dublin. And it seems that private houses in Dublin North West, they were the location for the largest number of COVID-19 clusters in the capital in the last four weeks. A breakdown of the outbreaks in the city um, have been released by the HSE. It shows there was 123 clusters recorded in the capital. Now this is between the 19th of August and the 14th of September so it's over a four week period. A total of 84 of them were in private homes 
the and the largest number was 21 in private homes which was located in Dublin North West and of course there's a great amount of detail has been released by the HSE and they break it down by the electoral areas so we can show if particularly for people who are living in Dublin whatever area they're in you will know if your area has a higher number of COVID cases than say a neighbouring area and I was delighted to see the infectious disease expert Dr Jack Lambert very much welcoming the data but he is calling for more granular detail give more detailed information he's gone so far as to say that the HSE should be giving daily updates on the various settings where the outbreaks have have occurred because he said knowing where these cases have occurred if they're in meat plants if they're in direct provision centres if they're in private houses if they're in there's a breakout in a restaurant if they're in a school he said if you are in a locality and you know that there has been a high number of COVID-19 cases he said that will help people understand the measures that have been taken and then they can adapt their behaviour accordingly. And a guy I've discovered on a Twitter, he's an economist who is just brilliant when it comes to figures and brilliant when it comes to analysing data. He's a, a gentleman by the name of David Higgins and actually I've been following him since the outbreak of the pandemic because he's been given on, on Twitter almost on a daily basis. He gives this really good statistical trends on the outbreaks and he's been doing it since the start of the pandemic and he also says providing the public which with as much information as possible he says it's essential that's why he started this on his feed on Twitter giving people as much information as he could get his hands on and breaking it down and looking at the various statistics and the data on any given day and he said you can never have enough detail when it comes to something like this and he says he also uses that word the granular detail the very detailed information he said that's what is needed he said there are countries around the world that have done incredibly well by informing their citizens. He says the data is there. It just needs to be shared. And, you know, and I know a lot of our listeners will agree with uh, David Higgins and will agree with Jack Lambert. People want the information. I mean, we were looking at the figures for yesterday. Give me the figures for yesterday. There was 188 new cases of the virus were announced, uh, reported uh, yesterday. Thankfully, there was uh, no new deaths. But the breakdown of the 188, 76 of the cases were in Dublin. But the next highest county was our good selves here in Cork. 25 of yesterday's cases were in Cork. Now you add that to the 36 we had on Sunday and the 20 that we had on Saturday. And if you've already downloaded the tracker app, the COVID tracker app, you will know if you go into that, you get a breakdown county by county and they look back at the last 14 days and the last... The last two weeks and the last two months, you can see the information. And if you click on Cork, you can see over the last three, four days, there has suddenly been a rise in the number of cases in Cork. Now, we're still not part of the group of eight counties that the government is very concerned uh, about the eight counties being Louth, Waterford, Limerick, Kildare, Leitrim, Donegal, Offaly and uh, Wicklow. And this got mentioned yesterday that these eight counties, the trend and the spread of COVID-19 is a worry in those eight counties, even though I did hear uh, Liz Canavan, she's the Secretary General of the Department of the Taoiseach, said there are worrying trends in most areas now, but they're 
particularly focusing on that eight counties and uh, saying, you know, that if things don't get better in those eight counties, then those eight counties are going to be following Dublin and they'll move from level two up to uh, level three. So Cork isn't in with that group yet. But I say yes, because if we continue every day to start having these higher figures than what we have been having. And as I say, if you look back, if you go into your COVID app and look back at the figures, you can see there was periods where we had, you know, maybe two a day. I think at one stage, nine was the highest that I could find. And then it dropped back down to six the following day. And then it was back down to two. There was very few cases. And this is right across Cork City and County. So a real worry yesterday to hear 25 cases in Cork with the 36 the day before and the 20 on the Saturday. It looks, doesn't it, to me that there's a bit of a trend starting here in Cork. But people are saying, well, where are those cases? Because Cork City and County geographically is a big area and it covers, what, 550,000 people. So where are the cases? Now, I can already this morning see that people are saying to me, I mean, for example, and this went, I saw it again on social media last night, there's meant to be one particular nursing home that is meant to have cases. I, again, I can't name that nursing home because I don't know for sure. And even if I contact the HSE and name the nursing home in the exact area and say, is it true that there's an outbreak of COVID-19 in this nursing home, they will come back and say, for confidentiality reasons, they can't get into it. And then I know a number of people as well were pointing to a, to a, I don't even want to say in case I give out too information, but a business, shall we say, I'll leave it as a business yesterday and again this morning I'm seeing people are saying it where there's meant to be a large number of clusters a large number of cases as well that it is a cluster in a particular business and if that's the case then you're thinking well is that where these cases are that they're talking about in uh, Cork are they all like self-contained I would hate to think that there's an outbreak in a nursing home because we know what happened when we had all of the outbreaks in the nursing homes at the start of the pandemic that's where about 60% of our deaths have come from nursing homes and we certainly don't want to go back to that stage uh, again but is that where the cases are and if it's in a particular business has it been contained and is it under control so people I think will be agreeing with uh, Professor Jack Lambert and also with uh, David Higgins, the economist, and his great work with his statistics that people need more information. Give us as much information as possible so then we can all make educated choices and decisions because if we know in our area that there's a lot of COVID-19, you're going to really double down and make sure, you know, it might make you stop and think if you were planning on going maybe out for a meal or you were planning on meeting up with friends because you know there's a lot of COVID-19 in the area, it might make you stop and think, well, let's hold off for a couple of weeks and let's see if the numbers drop down before we, we head out again because we've been told we should all be limiting our social contacts. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Marion Bantry says Hi Patricia. Yeah, I also wish the HSE would come out and say exactly where the cases are in Cork City and County. I have an autoimmune disease and I certainly wouldn't be going out if I knew, for example, that there was virus in my locality. Thanking you, says Mary in uh, Bantry. And Meg says it beggars belief people's behaviour with all of the 
information that is out there at the moment. And John says he was watching the news last night and a local Sinn Féin TD saw nothing wrong with that party in the Oliver Bond flat complex. He, the, the, I don't know which Sinn Féin TD it was, but according to John on the news, the Sinn Féin uh, TD was blaming the Gardaí for the party <laughs> I didn't see the piece so I don't know how you could uh, actually blame the uh, Gardaí and then uh, Anne was on to say hi Patricia you were speaking about the wearing of face masks yesterday and we know you know the regulations are there we all need to be wearing face masks well I was in a supermarket in the suburbs of the city on a Saturday evening when a maybe a man and a wife but a couple uh, came in they were buying alcohol and neither of them were wearing face masks somebody said to them you meant to be wearing face masks and the young man said Asher we're alright we're fine and they said that they would get the manager and he said Asher that's grand and the manager came over and he said but at this stage Anne said they had picked up whatever they wanted to buy and they were up at the checkouts and the manager confronted them and said look you really should be wearing face masks uh, guys and they said Asher we're fine and then they just went off yeah, see, it's one of those, it's really hard on the business owners and people who work in retail. I mean, at the very start of the introduction of the face masks, we spoke about this and we had groups representing retailers who said, you know, we don't have the power to uh, to police people wearing face masks. All we can do is educate and encourage a little bit like what the Gardaí are doing. All they can do is put up signs, say, you know, please wear a face mask. And I think in the majority of cases, I think probably 99% of people are abiding by the rules and regulations. I think it's kind of rare now that you walk into a shop and you don't see somebody with a mask uh, on. You'd always get the gambines who will think, you know, as that couple, sure, we're fine. Why would we want to wear a mask? We're fine. And all all the manager can do is encourage them. Now, I have seen video footage. I did see video footage out of Dublin a couple of weeks ago and the particular manager got major praise online. It was in a little store somewhere in Dublin and it was a guy came in. Now, he was one of the anti-mask brigades who really wanted to make a point because his girlfriend came in filming him. They wanted confrontation with the manager and the manager literally took the basket away from the man and said, if you're not wearing a mask, get out of my store. And the guy was insisting on buying the items and he actually went up to the checkout and the manager took the items off the conveyor belt and said, no, sir, I am not selling you these items. You're not wearing a mask. Please leave the store. And he he didn't sell him the items. And lots of people took to social media because the video got widely shared with people saying, well done to that manager. But that takes a very brave person to do that because the fear is, what if you end up in a confrontation? You know, what if you end up with somebody who gets really, really uh, angry. So it is a real catch-22 situation that retailers are in. You know, as I say, some businesses are very good about pointing out to people, please, you need to wear a mask. And, you know, only yesterday I was heading into a shop and I got out of the car, locked the car, walked to the door, just got to the door, said, oh, my mask, back to the car again. I have made that walk of shame. How many times? Back to the car. But I don't actually go into the store, but usually as I'm heading in the store, I see somebody walking out with the mask or else I see the sign. I love the shops that have this sign clearly saying, please wear a mask because it reminds everybody uh, to do it. But you'll always have people who, for whatever reason, just don't want to wear a mask. But what we are going to be talking about uh, coming up uh, next on the programme, there are people who, for health reasons, 
can't wear masks. We're going to be discussing that next. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now next Monday, a motion to Cork County Council will call on the Department of Health to roll out an initiative similar to the UK's Hidden Disability Sunflower Lanyard Project to help those who cannot wear face masks due to health reasons are due to a hidden disability. The motion will be submitted by McCroom Councillor Eileen Lynch, who joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Eileen. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Why do you believe a similar Sunflower Lanyard initiative, why do you believe it's needed in this country? Well, I've been contacted by a lot of constituents who are unable to wear masks due to health conditions. And as you're aware, since the 10th of August, uh, it's now mandatory to wear face masks in public places and businesses. Um, so a lot of people who can't wear them due to health reasons find that, you know, they're a lot more anxious about going out. They're being questioned in shops by retailers as to why they're not wearing their masks. Whereas I think to roll out a similar scheme to the Hidden Disability Sunflower Scheme here would give, you know, a silent message to retailers and to those working in pubs, shops, restaurants that there's a reason as to why a certain person isn't wearing their mask, that there's a genuine health reason. Just outline to people who were unaware of the UK scheme, the, the, the Sunflower Lanyard. Just just outline how that works. Um, essentially, the Sunflower Lanyard scheme is a scheme that was introduced in Gatwick Airport in um, 2016. And basically, they were seeing issues um, with patrons who needed extra assistance but were maybe, you know, a little conscious about asking. So they rolled out the scheme of the Hidden Disability Sunflower Lanyards. Essentially, it's a green lanyard with sunflowers on it, so it's quite bright, you can see it. And basically, people with hidden disabilities who may need a little bit extra help or a little bit extra time, but you wouldn't know that to look at them, could wear these lanyards, and then any staff dealing with them knew that they may require extra assistance. And it saves them the, you know, I guess embarrassment at times of having to say, I I need help. So Mm. it it gave a silent signal to those dealing with people in retail or in businesses. And as I said, it started out in Gatwick Airport in London and then it was rolled out across various hospitals in the UK. Yeah, and I know it works. I've seen it in action. It works really well at the airport. And I know Cork Airport have been fantastic about doing it as well. And they hand out the lanyards as well. And as you say, it's a very subtle, discreet way of saying, you know, I might be able to stay, stand for a long time in a queue or when I get to going through security, you know, they give them extra help. It it, it really is great. But... I didn't realise that it's also been, it can also be used, you're right, it can translate and also be used for situations like this with a face mask. Well, I think so, just because from speaking to constituents, there's obviously um, a big argument, I guess, out there at the moment as to whether or not people want to wear masks. As I mentioned, it is mandatory, it has been passed in legislation, and there are a lot of people who aren't wearing masks, they're refusing out of protest. But equally, there are a lot of people not wearing masks because they can't. And I think it's very important that we would distinguish those two groups of people. That whilst, yes, you have a right to protest and a right not to wear it, that's fine. But equally, there are people who want to wear it but can't due to a hidden disability. And it's important that they're not being looked at the same way, that they're not going out and being met with, you know, resistance from retailers or from other shoppers. You know, why aren't you wearing a mask? And this would just be a more subtle, discreet way of giving the message that, you know, I want to wear a mask. I have some kind of hidden disability and for that reason I can't. Yeah, I was reading in the the Echo about that woman, Alison, from Coachford. 
Yeah. She was a typical, just share her story. Hers, it, it, Alison's is, is a typical story of somebody, it's not that she doesn't want to wear a mask, she can't wear a mask. That's the thing, absolutely. And I mean, Alison would have got in touch with me a few weeks ago and when I looked into it, I just thought it was such a simple measure that could make things a lot easier for people. Like, Alison's story is that she had a heart attack two and a half years ago and as a result of that, her heart is only at 30% capacity. So she's unable to wear masks if she goes out because she finds she gets lightheaded. It's um, shortening her breath. As I said, she her heart's only at 30% capacity. So she finds it to wear a mask even less than that. And she's feeling very anxious insofar as when she goes to shops or even recently she told me she was in a chemist and upon leaving was asked, why aren't you wearing her mask? And, you know, that's very stressful for someone. And I just think at the moment, we're, we're living in an extremely tough time. It's an unprecedented time and it's hitting people in lots of different ways. And if something as simple as this can make things a little bit easier for somebody, then it's something we need to be doing. Well, I suppose the danger is for somebody like Alison, she'll probably go to the stage of, I'll just avoid going shopping. And then they, that person can become very isolated. Yeah, and that's why I think we need to roll out a scheme like this. And I think particularly for older people as well, who aren't reason, who aren't wearing them um, during to, due to hidden disabilities? If they get to that stage where they feel, you know, I, I feel like a pariah going out, so I'm just not going to go out. You're going to increase your isolation. You're going to increase mental health issues. So it's very important that people can go out and adhere to regulations, but that equally those who can't are able to show that they can't, but can still go out and not feel anxious in a social setting. Would a visor be? an alternative for some of these people who are finding it really difficult to breathe through the actual face mask or can they be just as troublesome for some? It all depends on, you know, it's a case-by-case basis. So some people with disabilities are able to wear them, no problem. Um, You know, I suppose like autism would be an easier one to wear a visor may be more effective. But for a heart or lung condition, depending on the severity of it, there's an issue wearing those as well. Okay, so you're... So it, unfortunately, it's a case-by-case case basis. Yeah, and that's so, where I mean, you say the, the, the lanyard. Because I know we've had some of our listeners contact us, uh, Eileen, particularly when on the 10th of August it became mandatory for everybody to wear masks and people like, you know, what you're talking about, cases you're talking about. And when they went to their GP, GPs, many GPs are slow to give a letter to somebody saying you shouldn't be... You're exempt from wearing a face mask. I think they are, which is unusual because the legislation states that they're mandatory in a public place unless you have a reasonable excuse. It then gives a list of reasonable excuses, but it's not limited. The way it's worded is including and not limited to. So I suppose because you're dealing with legislation that that may lead to um, GP's hesitancy to give a letter. Um, Whereas I just think with the lanyard, you don't need the letter for it. There's obviously, as I said, there are people that out of protest don't want to wear them and I don't think, you know, they would maybe go to the bother of investigating the scheme. Whereas I think for those who genuinely feel that they, they can't and have health reasons behind the reasons that they can't, the scheme could help them. Who would you have issuing the lanyards though? I'd actually do it maybe with the Irish Pharmacy Union. Like the way it started in the UK, as I said, was through the airport and then a lot of hospitals and stuff got on board. So, I mean, it's something, if you go onto the Hidden Disability website for the UK, you can buy the lanyards for between, I think, 55 pence and £2, depending which one you get. So it's something that could be rolled out here that, you know, you actually pay for it as you buy it. So therefore, it's something that could be done by the HSE and rolled out with 
the Irish Heart Foundation, the Irish Lung Foundation, the Irish Pharmacy Union. Because again, from speaking to pharmacists, it's quite a common issue in pharmacies that they're having people coming in without masks. Leads to the uncomfortable situation of pharmacists having to ask, why aren't you wearing your mask? can often lead to embarrassment when there's a genuine mm-hmm. excuse as to why they're not. So I think for that reason, pharmacies will be the ideal place to roll it out. And I've been in touch with the Irish Pharmacy Union and there is nothing like this scheme here at the moment, aside from important on an airport. Yeah, you just don't want to see it abused. You just don't want to see that anyone willy-nilly can go in and buy one of these lanyards and then go, sure, I don't need to wear a mask, I'll put the lanyard on. That's the issue, but I think the people that are doing that are showing that disregard anyway. Yeah, and I think yeah. for the genuine cases, this would alleviate the situation and mean that they can go out and about their business a lot more confidently. I mean, I'm sure you've seen there's a lot of stuff on social media and Facebook at the moment about people trying to prove points and going into grocery stores without their masks That's because they don't have to. And technically, as the legislation states, reasonable excuse, they don't have to. It makes everybody else incredibly uncomfortable. Mm. But if you're not, if you're using the reasonable excuse for a genuine reason at least this will make you more comfortable and it will let around you know yeah. that, you know, that there's a hidden reason here. Yeah, because here's, here's a, I suppose, an example as well. Uh, would the Sunflower Scheme be extended to rape victims who may have been choked or grabbed from the rear and may have anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder related to the event and can't wear a mask for that reason? I mean, that's a hidden disability, isn't it, if somebody's left with post-traumatic stress disorder from a, from a violent rape? Absolutely, and I would be completely supportive of that because when you're dealing with an issue like firstly, it hits everybody differently. Everybody has different repercussions and long-term effects. So if it's a situation where these people were grabbed, that you know you felt suffocated by the mask because it was causing flashback or whatever, in that case, absolutely, I think that could slip under the lanyard scheme. And again, to the person who has been through that and for that reason isn't wearing a mask, if they're stopped in public and asked, you know, why aren't you wearing a mask? How do you explain that? Yeah. How do you actually go through it again and say, look, this is why? Or do you just stop going out? Yeah. Or is yeah, it this scheme could help people like that? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well done. So, you're bringing this uh, motion before the council next Monday? Yeah. It's yeah. before the council on Monday. Um, I actually had a list a few weeks ago, but unfortunately, it didn't get reached to, so it's deferred. Bring it on Monday, and I'm reaching out to organisations instead of like the Irish Arts Foundation, the Irish Young Foundation, as I am see if it's a scheme that they'd be interested in getting on board with. Okay. All right, listen, we leave it there. Eileen, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks so much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, McCroom, uh, Councillor Eileen Lynch. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. After six months of closure, wet pubs all over the country, except those in Dublin, reopened yesterday to see how a rural pub got on with day one. I'm joined by Shawnee Murphy of The Pub in Carrigonimma. Good morning to you, Shawnee. Good morning, Patricia. Now, you didn't open at 10.30 yesterday morning like other pubs did. You waited until six yesterday evening. How did the first evening and night go? The first evening and night, um, we normally open at 8, but we decided we'd open a bit earlier. Okay. On yesterday evening, it was quite, uh, maybe from about half 8 on, we had a few. Did you? Did you? And, <laughs> and, and how different was it to pre-COVID times? Um, so different for the people in the bar, working in the bar, and the customers coming in, you know. So what we did is we put a screen around the bar, because it's not very big, and we put a few tables outside the counter. 
Okay. And when you come in, like you see, to like looking into a bank, there's a screen all around the counter. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But uh, I asked one man, what did he think? He hadn't been in the pub since last March. And he said, I actually didn't know what I was going to expect when I walked in. You know? Yeah. And to, to see the screen in front of you, and his seat where he normally sits in the corner, gone. He just sit at the table. You know? Yeah, that's tough. That's that is, yeah, yeah, you know. And your clientele, Shawnee, generally there are there are people from the rural area, are they? Yeah, yeah just around Carrigan, I suppose, four or five mile radius, like, you know. We have a mix of young and old. Um, the older people might come out during the week for a few drinks and the younger people the weekend, you know. But you're, you're only an, an evening pub. You don't an open... Pub, we during, open in the evening, yeah. Yeah, you don't it's open. There isn't, there isn't trades there for, for during the day. There wouldn't be anything, no. Actually, the pub is more like a community centre in Carrigan because there's just the school and the church, you know? Yeah, so, it's, it's what people have missed. Yeah, and you see, what happens there, if there's a wedding or a funeral or whatever in the church, they come over to the pub after a funeral, the local tea committee, I call them, the local women come together and they do tea and sandwiches for the families, you know? Mm. That sort of thing. Or the pub is used for meetings. You know, so it's more like a community centre. And that was all gone for the last six months? That's all gone, yeah. That's all gone. Um, if you walked into the bar during the summer with all the coolers and everything off, it's so silent. Yeah. You know? Weird, weird, weird feeling. Yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the new capacity of your pub? How much are you down by? We're probably about 30. We'd be down about half. You know? um, during the week, we'd be okay because it wouldn't be very busy anyway. Maybe Friday, Saturday night, you'd have a few of the younger coming out or the younger crowd coming out. And that's where I find there'll be a problem now next weekend that we can only live in so many and it's right everyone that comes into the pub you know them on first nails and you're going to have to say we're full you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah, that that's that, that is. And even yesterday, I was speaking with my, with Michael O'Donovan of the, of the Castellane. He's, I think, he's thirty five with his capacity, and right. I think that's one thing he's dreading as well. You know, and for you know a pub like your own, as you say, you know, it's like the community centre almost to stand at the door and say to Johnny, who's been coming to your pub for years, "Sorry, yeah. Johnny, not tonight." Do you know, we're full. We're yeah. full. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be tough on our ice. Yeah, to be fair. Will people? Are you suggesting to people book then at the weekend? We would for weekends, yeah, for Friday and Saturday. Like, like so that's the problem if you can't get in, and we can't let them in. You know, we're trying to do this the best way we can to keep everyone safe, but it is a hard one. I think the weekend, yeah, and maybe it might settle down after a couple of weeks. A lot of people might spend their times coming out to the pub. You know, how tough has the last six months been, Shawnee? Ah. Uh, you know, I miss the company. Myself and Matt Neville there are stuck in the pub with me. You miss the company there at night, have a chat about whatever's on out during the day, you know, that kind of way. And you wouldn't meet as many people because they're not coming out as much, mm. you know. Like that man coming in last night, he found it very strange to come in the door after six months, you know. He but said he was actually nervous. He didn't know what yeah. to expect. But did he enjoy it? He had his couple of drinks, but like what he said to me, he would be a man that might call the weekends now or whatever. But for a while, he said he wouldn't call the weekends. He would when it's quiet. Yeah. Because yeah. people are watching themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They know themselves. And the way I look at it is, if you want to go to the pub, you can. You don't have to. You know, that is your own decision. And, we, and there is personal responsibility. And people are nervous. Let's be honest. They people, are at the moment, People are yeah. nervous. They are at the moment, yeah. But you're back up and running and that's the important thing. We'll try it anyway, however long to last. We'll take it day by day in these strange times. I know, and that's what everybody fears and dreads, that there'd be another lockdown and you'd have to close your doors again. Yeah, yeah, you know, but sure, we have to go at the times, I suppose. 
You look after yourself, Shawnee, and thanks we'll a million. Thanks By a million. the way, Patricia, maybe we might have a gin and tonic for you some night <laughs> if you come to Carrigan. I heard you talking about well, that there last week on your holidays. <laughs> I'm partial to my old little old gin and tonic, I have yeah, to say. We'll have one for your call some night. You're you very kind. No bother, Patricia. <laughs> Take care, Shawnee. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Shawnee Murphy there from the pub in Carrigan, Emma, back up and out running. 1850-333-103, lines open. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Just getting reports in of an oil spill on the N20. It's towards the exit for Burnford. Uh, emergency services are at the scene, but you're advised, please, to take care on approach. Okay, so if you're on the N20, please be careful, particularly towards the exit for Burnford with that uh, reports of an oil spillage. And as you just heard on the news there with Barry, uh, we now have official confirmation that there has been a COVID 19 outbreak at the Care Choice Nursing Home at Montanati. They say uh, the case was largely identified through proactive testing. Now, the number of positive COVID tests at the home is not being released, and that's for reasons of uh, privacy. Uh, but we think of everybody at that nursing home, the staff, the, in particular the residents and the family members, because I'm assuming now there'll be a complete shutdown for visitors at that particular nursing home. And I know in Dublin, with the extra restrictions that are in place in Dublin, it's one of the ones that's causing the most heartache. Obviously, all of the nursing homes, because they've moved to level three, there's restrictions now on people going in, into nursing homes. And we know for many weeks and months, we had a scenario where people couldn't visit loved ones in nursing homes and that caused huge, huge heartache for both the people who are living in the nursing homes and for their family members who couldn't get in to see them. And so, and that's why I always hate when I hear that there is a COVID positive case at a nursing home because you know straight away that means that the nursing home will go into lockdown. But it has been confirmed. Care Chase Nursing Home Montanati has a case, but they're just not saying how many, uh, how many residents are staff have tested positive for COVID-19. And of course, Pennies have also uh, come out and to say one employee, it's at the Penny store in Wilton, has tested positive and they're, in, they're getting involved in a detailed deep clean of the store. Just to just carry that out as an extra precaution. 1850-333-103. Some of your calls uh, coming into the programme. Oh, just by the way, on the listener who was talking about the Sinn Féin TD uh, and his what the Sinn Féin TD somebody said on the news about that party that happened in the Oliver Bond flats at the weekend. Well, somebody wants to just clarify uh, to say that the Dublin Midwest TD for Sinn Féin is Owen O'Brien and he slammed the antisocial behaviour of the Oliver Bond flats over the weekend he said my strong advice to everyone is if we want to manage the virus we have to abide by the rules and the regulations that are there if you're involved in partying you're not putting yourself at risk you're putting your family at risk and you're sorry you're not only putting yourself at risk but you're putting your family at risk you're putting your grandparents at risk and you're also putting members of your own community at risk uh, as well 1850 333 
103 and a listener was on to us earlier saying uh, could you tell me please why you can't post anything to Australia well it was the Australian government when they put their country into lockdown one of the first things they did they did it in the very early days of the pandemic in Australia they stopped all international mail I think part of the reason was to do with the amount of people that were buying items online within Australia and the postal service was coming under a lot of pressure just to try to manage all of the internal mail. I think initially that was the the thinking on it. But we've just checked um, and Australia are starting to reopen their international mail. They've been doing it over the last couple of weeks. And from September the 29th of this month, so that's uh, next early next week, you will be able to post items to Australia. But they are putting a limit for parcels. The limit is 10 kgs. And 10 kgs, it's a, it's a, it's a weighty enough parcel because so many of us have family and loved ones in Australia. I know I have a little niece and a nephew over there and they're only smallies and we missed out not being able to send them their birthday presents and they love the parcels coming in the post and there's so many people have family members living there who send the food parcels, the the potatoes and the boxes of Barry's tea that go out in parcels to Australia. They've been doing that on a daily basis for years and people haven't been able to do it since almost the start of the pandemic. So if you have loved ones in Australia let them know to get ready for the parcels they'll be on the way and that certainly is good news particularly with Christmas uh, only so many months away people will be wanting to send presents out for Christmas so from September the 29th you'll be able to start posting your items to Australia and then on a completely different uh, topic a listener uh, wants to give out about the spreading of slurry, one of those issues that sort of comes up every time a certain time during slurry spreading obviously it comes up on the programme and for people who are not involved in slurry spreading but who live in areas close by where slurry is spread they just don't like the smell of it and a listener there's no name on this text has had a right rant this morning to say slurry has been spread next to dwelling houses and always just before rain is due but recently this listener said slurry has been spread in their area whenever they feel like it i.e. the farmers spreading it uh, Listen wants to say with all of the COVID problems we have with people having chest and breathing problems surely the spreading of slurry is more an issue this year than ever, and than ever. Um, maybe some ideas for a new documentary about the spreading of uh, slurry the listener says this is a much worse problem than the rave party that you're discussing that happened in Dublin we couldn't enjoy the fine weather that we've had across last week. Can't hang our washing out because of this vile slurry spreading that is going on, not just across our own county here in Cork, but across the country. And this listener wants to see it stopped. How do others feel about it? Is just not happy about the spreading of slurry. I know whenever we've done discussions on it before, usually the argument comes out for, you know, if you live in the countryside and there are many advantages to living in the countryside, but maybe one of the disadvantages to living in the countryside is the fact that farmers have to spread slurry. I've spoken with many farmers over the years who say if you can come up with an alternative way of getting rid of the slurry or to make it more sweet smelling then please let us know but it's part and parcel of the life of a farmer that they must get out and spread the slurry but if you're living close by it 
and when you've had that lovely fine weather uh, not nice is there a solution to it? I don't know. If anybody wants to row in on that, please do. 1850-333-103. And then a couple of people on when we were talking about the opening of uh, pubs and how pubs have uh, reopened. Somebody not happy. Martin Infamoy says, now we'll have a lot more drinking going on with the wet pubs opened. Wait and see. There'll be a lot more COVID-19 cases. Martin Infomoy feels the pubs should have remained uh, closed. But then I saw on our uh, Twitter at C103 Cork, uh, Gash says, humbling at our small rural pub when you see men and women in their 80s shedding a tear because they can get to see each other. Haven't seen each other since last March. Such a simple thing, but so vital to rural communities where the pub really is the hub. And I have to say, thank you for that, Gash. I have to say, when we were speaking with Shawnee um, Murphy from the pub in, in Carriganima, I thought that was one of the things that came out quite strongly from my interview with him, that his their little pub is much more than a pub. It's the local community centre. It's the local hub. It's where people meet. And even yesterday, you know, on day one, they had people in who haven't been in a pub, haven't been out for a drink. And it isn't always about the drinking and the alcohol. And I know people will give out about, you know, our attitude and our relationship with alcohol in this country. But there are in many cases, particularly those small little rural pubs, it's the only place where people in the community have to meet. You know, Shawnee talking about when there's a funeral, a christening, any kind of a celebration, the the good ladies of the parish are in with the teas and the coffees and the making of the sandwiches and it's where people can meet. So that's, there is a huge social side that has been missing, certainly has been missing, the fact that the pubs have been closed for the last six months. 1850-333-103. And then when we were talking about face masks, and the fact that there are some people for health reasons who simply cannot wear face masks. And Councillor Eileen Lynch is suggesting that we bring in, like what they have at the airports and like what they have in the UK, these green, it's a green lanyard, you wear it around your neck. I think you can get wristbands in it as well. And it's got sunflowers on it. And it's a night, if you see anybody wearing one of those, it identifies that person as having a hidden disability and that that person may need an extra little bit of help wherever they are. And Eileen is suggesting, could we introduce something like that here in this country? And for people who can't wear face masks, when they go into a shop, if they have the lanyard on around their neck, people will know, rather than confronting them and saying, why aren't you wearing a face mask? You'll know the fact they're wearing one of these lanyards, that they have some kind of a health issue or some kind of a hidden disability, which means they can't wear a face mask. On the wearing of face masks, Madge says, hold on a tick now. Uh, A visor will give partial protection, but a lanyard will give none. So Madge, not with feels that that lanyard would not be a good idea. Somebody else says Patricia, the wearing of the lanyards surely will be flaunted unless a medical note is the criteria for the recipients to be issued with one. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I, I asked Eileen about who will issue the lanyards. I mean, if you're simply able to go into a chemist shop and buy a lanyard then it'll be absolutely it'll be abused because none of us let's be honest there's very few of us can say oh I love wearing my face mask I go into the supermarket and I do my shopping and I enjoy the fact that I have a face mask on I, I absolutely hate wearing it I will never go into a shop without wearing one but I can't wait to get out of the out of the supermarket and take my face mask off I will be the first one to admit to admit that and I've gone through 
every different type and style of mask that you can buy. I found the one that I think is the most comfortable at the moment, but even the most comfortable one, I still find them difficult to wear. But I'm doing it because I know I have to do it. I know why I'm doing it. I know I'm doing it to protect uh, others. And I know that since the 10th of August, it's mandatory for us all to wear face masks. So so I know all the the reasoning uh, behind it. But I don't like wearing one. And I would be fearful that you will have people saying, thinking, I should if we don't have to wear one, we'll put the lanyard around our neck. So I, I do worry about that. So I'll be interested to see if it does come in in this country, how they will actually hand out the lanyards, how people will actually get one, which means that when they're wearing a lanyard, they're OK. They don't have to, for whatever reason. Let's wait and see what the criteria is going to be uh, for them. Now, others on this, uh, Audrey says, if you can't wear one of the face masks, which we're all being mandated to wear, then you should wear a face shield, wear one of the visors. No more excuses, please, says uh, Audrey. Someone else. Can those are many of those who are unable to wear a face mask at least wear the full face visor? Not the small strips of plastic on their chins, which I've seen some wear over the past few weeks, which some people are trying to pass as face coverings. While face masks are obviously better than the face shields of the visors. While I suffer from serious sinuses and migraines and anything touching my face can give me a certain amount of extra grief, I know that it is for just a limited period of time and therefore uh, it is worth doing it, not just for myself, but for others around uh, me. Thank you for that. And Tom uh, says, this was on the two people who were in the supermarket that Anne saw and who were refusing to wear face masks and when they were confronted, they said, actually, we're fine, we don't need face face masks. Tom said, those two needed a good kick up the you-know-what. If the government tell you to wear a face mask, then you should do it. The owner of the shop or the manager of the supermarket should have the power to kick them out or ask them for a letter to prove the reason why they can't wear a face mask. Tom says, I have a medical condition, but I respect I respect my other people and therefore I wear a mask. I wear a mask to protect my friends, my family and the community and anybody else that's around, around me. And Tom says, I also wear the mask because I feel it is protecting myself uh, as well. And even though he has an underlying health condition, he will still wear his mask. Good on you, Tom. And then Nora says, with all of this use of sanitizer, I mean, everywhere you're going now, every shop, every business, you go into this hand sa- sanitizer. Nora says, I think it's a lot of expense on businesses and on churches etc why can't people have their own little bottle in in, a, in their pocket or in their bag it's available in most shops now thank you says Nora and you can get very small little bottles that you can just pop in your pocket or pop in, in your bag I go nowhere I always have my hand sanitizer with me I have to say do I use the one entering shops of course I do but I'd always have it with me in case I feel that I need extra or if I feel maybe I didn't sanitise uh, properly so I think a lot of us I think are carrying hand sanitizer uh, with us but I suppose Nora the problem there is and you're right it is an additional expense doing business during Covid now that's why in some cases businesses have had to put up prices because the cost of doing business has certainly gone up and one of the examples Nora is right is the cost of all of the hand sanitizers that they are using but I suppose the danger is Nora if shops and businesses don't have it as you enter it 
not everyone is going to be like your good self with your little bottle of hand sanitizer in your bag or in your pocket and then you'll run the risk that people won't hand sanitize because they won't have the hand sanitizer with them and then they're in danger of either passing it on you know picking up COVID-19 themselves or as worse passing it on to uh, somebody else but you're right we should all you know do our little do our own bit as best we can uh, to try and have our own hand sanitizer with her, with us, and then we had someone else on to us. If I can find, oh, this is it. This is there's no name on this. A listener saying, when I was travelling home to Killarney last Friday night, there was a guard at the checkpoint, and I was asked for my driving license. Took my driving license out and I showed it to the guard who took the license from me, uh, as he also did with the cars ahead of me because I was in the queue and I was I was watching him. I didn't think what he did was safe because of coronavirus. He could see the licence directly from my hand. I would like to know what is the procedure here. I know when we started back in lockdown and do you remember when we were in the various different phases whereby you were only allowed to to travel, you know, outside of the two kilometres for work reasons or you were only allowed out if your journey was absolutely necessary. And I know certainly from a work point of view, we all had letters to say we we were allowed to go to the radio station because we were deemed essential services at the time. And I remember back in those days, people bringing up that very same issue because there was lots of guard the checkpoints. Nearly every day I was stopped by the guardie and people were saying about the guardie taking the, the letters, whatever people had and handling it. And, you know, surely that was a way of spreading the virus. And some guardie were good. They let you hold the item up against a window and they could clearly see what the letter was. But other guardie actually physically took the item from you. And I remember at the time, the advice that we gave to everybody, if you were nervous about it, obviously the guardie, they're doing their job. They're allowed to check uh, driving licence. Some guardy will obviously just look in the window, window, but others, like what happened to you, will physically take it into their hand uh, and look at it. That's where personal responsibility comes into it. I'm assuming you've got your bottle of hand sanitizer in your car. What I would have done in a case like that was take the driving licence back from the member from the guard there, Shea Kona, and then hand sanitise to my hand. And then if you want to be 100% sure that there's no virus on the actual driving licence when you get home, Hand, you know, actually sanitise the driving licence itself. That's where there is a little bit of personal responsibility. We all have to look after ourselves uh, as well. But is the is the, can the guard actually ask for? Yes, they can. They they are allowed uh, to do that. But as I say, it it depends. It varies from one guardie to another guardie. Some will just look in the window at you, and others will will take it from out of the car from you instead. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Stadium John Paul are taking your calls, text or WhatsApp. Oh eight six two. 103 103 C103 Jobs Full and part-time living carers are wanted it's for Cork City and County In Chidani Lodge and Spa they have full and part-time positions available they're looking for receptionists kitchen porters house assistants pool attendants waiting staff chefs and therapists a bus driver with a D licence is required that's for the Dohalo area and an ADI approved driving instructor is wanted for work in the Fomoy Mitchellstown areas you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. 
Now, criminals are using social media to find young people to act as money mules, with as many as 1,000 transactions moving through Irish bank accounts last year alone to discuss a new information campaign by the Banking and Payments Federation called Don't Be a Mule. I'm joined by Olivia Buckley of Fraud Smart. Good morning to you, Olivia. Good morning. Uh, You're welcome. I suppose, can you start by explaining to people what you mean by a money mule? You are a money mule, Patricia, if you are allowing somebody access and to use your bank account um, for criminal activity, to do something that they shouldn't be doing and taking advantage of your bank account in order to do so. And we need to be very careful. You know, bank accounts, uh, they're precious. We're the beneficial owners of our own accounts. We're responsible for them. And having a bank account comes with responsibility. It comes with lots of advantages. But we need to mind it. We need to be careful. And we should never trust anybody else uh, with with accessing our bank account. It's it's basically money laundering, is it? It's money laundering. Yeah. And I think what happens is our young people who are easily targeted by the criminals and the fraudsters very often do not appreciate or fully realise what they may be getting into. We know we know from all the conversations we've had in the past um, about fraudsters is that they're becoming very sophisticated. They're on the prowl morning, noon and night. Uh, they can be anywhere in the world and they're becoming more and more active and prevalent online. And very often what they're doing is they're tempting young people to make a little bit of money on the side. They're almost posing like employers. You know, would you like to make money? You know, you can earn commission. All you have to do is give us access to your bank account. We put some money through it and you get to keep 200, 300, 500, whatever the account may, whatever the sum may be. So they pose almost like a job offer. The young person says... That looks like an it's easy tempting. way to make money and maybe not, not, nothing too bad can happen. Sure, what could go wrong? They give the criminal access and therein the trouble begins. If you are a money mule, i.e. carrying money for somebody else through your account, you are involved in money laundering and money laundering is a criminal offence. And do I take it once a young person gets sucked into these schemes, hard to get away from the criminals? Well, sometimes, you know, the criminal can operate a process of intimidation uh, they can frighten young people and what we say to young people that's what the campaign is about this week selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Both to young people and their parents, you know, if you've done something and you realize you have a problem, pick up the phone, tell your parents, tell your guardie and let them know that something has gone wrong because that is the best and most immediate way of dealing with it. But I suppose we're really about prevention in this campaign. Yeah. When you see somebody asking for access to your bank account, the plain, simple answer is a firm no and that you don't even get sucked in and entangled into the web of activity. But certainly if you have and you have worries, speak to your parents, report it to the Gardaí, explain your situation. That is the best course of action if you have made a mistake and got entangled in this. And you have reason to believe that they're using social media to try to to get people involved. Yeah, we know that. um, I suppose we all live online now, Patricia. We're on our computers, we're on our iPads. And young people in particular are living on their iPhone. We know they do uh, everything online from their shopping, you know, to their friendships, to speaking to each other. And particularly in this time of COVID-19, people are more and more in line. That's the way of reaching the world and communicating with the world. And that is what it is. Um, and that, that trend isn't going to change. So this is the money, the, 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 the money launderer, the criminal targeting you online could be text messages it could be it could be a friend who's trying to get you involved who's themselves got caught up in this activity or it could be a complete stranger with a job offer but if somebody is mentioning bank account and access there's the red flag and there's the danger sign alarm bells uh, alarm should bells. Start and for parents the alarm bell is you know you know you know approximately the budget your child has or the kind of maybe part-time job they have is there unusual activity? Are you seeing that they're buying um, items of clothing, of technology, of sports gear? You know, are they going places? Are they doing things that you truly, really know, you know, that that is beyond their affordability? That's beyond their budget. And asking, where do they get the money? How is that happening? Should I really be asking some questions here? We know that less than 20% of parents have a conversation with their teenage children about the harmfulness of money muling, about their bank account, about the dangers of money muling. So that's a very, very 18% only have that conversation. So that's a very low figure. So even for parents to have the conversation, look, you know, you have your bank account. There are people targeting young people. You have to be careful. You have to watch out and you have to be on your guard. And are we talking about a lot of money being laundered through these transactions? Well, 12 million so far this year. Which is a lot, a lot of money. Um, So what happens is, you know, the fraudster has defrauded somebody. So they have gone, they've got this money that they have stolen from somebody else. Of course, they don't want to move that through their own bank accounts and find themselves under uh, the monitoring and surveillance of the banks because the banks are always looking for movement of money, suspicious transactions, large transactions, unusual movement. So the fraudster who's stolen the money through something like maybe a smishing scam 
is now trying to move that money into somebody else's account and move it on and clean that money and get it to a destination uh, where they want. So they're taking the stolen money and their objective is to try and get somebody else to take that money on their back and move it through their bank account. So 12 million already this year. We know this is a huge problem across Europe because our banks and our Gardaí are part of a huge anti-money muling campaign from September to November every year. The banks in Ireland deal with 300 other banks across Europe. Our Gardaí are part of Europol and there is an intensive crackdown every autumn and winter where, where they work together across Europe. So this is a European-wide issue. It's a global issue. We're highlighting the Irish case with the Irish figures, um, but, but we know this is an international problem. Yeah, because I saw the Gardaí, there was a piece in the paper today, um, the Gardaí talking about they've got this Operation um, Ransom, I think they, they've called it, to try to, uh, to try to put a stop to this money meeting. But they were talking like about, you know, 30 young people were uh, arrested in this country for this money muling the youngest was only 15 you know and and over half of them that were arrested were juveniles so so it is young people who then obviously can and do end up with criminal records yeah and it may affect their bank account being frozen their ability to you know you know borrow in the years to come um it involves guardy reports and nobody Nobody wants young people to, to get caught up in that. Um, we, we want to protect them. We want to combat crime. But most of all, we want to protect our young people from getting entangled in a web of something that they have no appreciation of in terms of how serious it may be and the longer term impact on their life. Okay, so as we say, we need the parents in particular to talk to young people Absolutely. about Absolutely, and about I should mention, Patricia, that everything uh, that a parent needs to be aware of is available at fraudsmart.ie. Um, so we have social influencers, Dara Tan, Mary Mullins are on TikTok and Instagram this week reaching out to young people. I know I have a young teenage niece myself and she was telling me yesterday that she had seen the, the videos um, and the TikTok videos. So it's having an effect. Thankfully, we, we know our young people are seeing it. But we have special leaflets for young people and parents at fraudsmart.ie. You can watch those videos. Um, we have Miriam O'Callaghan as an ambassador. She's a parent of children herself and also with an important video giving her message to parents. So all of the detail, all of the videos and most importantly of all, those warning leaflets that help as a guide and teenagers are up there on the website as well. So I would say take five minutes to have a read and click online today and have a look. Okay. All right, listen, we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us, Olivia. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Very much. Good Patricia. morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Olivia Buckley of Fraud Smart with the Banking and Payment uh, Federation. Don't be a mule. That's the message. 1850 And by the way, I was talking about the lanyard earlier with Eileen Lynch and it's this UK scheme that's been in place since uh, 2016 and it's a green lanyard and it's got the sunflowers the yellow sunflowers on it. You'd probably have seen it in the airport and identify somebody with a hidden disability. Somebody then sent in a text and suddenly realised that not everybody knows what a lanyard is. Somebody said, what is a lanyard, by the way? And I've seen another couple of texts in saying the same thing. It's, um, how would you describe a lanyard? It's like it's like a piece of, of fabric. You wear it around your neck. There's usually a clip on the end of it and you can use it, people will use it in workplaces if they've got their ID around their neck or like a security pass. You'll see referees will wear it around their neck with a whistle 
tinsel on the end. So it's like it's the rope or a decorative piece of fabric. And in the case of the lanyard we're talking about here, it's a it's a piece of fabric and it's green in colour and then it's got the gorgeous sunflowers all over it. So that's what a lanyard is. You wear it around your neck. I should have perhaps explained that at the start. My apologies. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. In what is a first for Ireland, the Lord Mayor of Cork City, Joe Kavanagh, and the Mayor of Cork County, Mary Linehan Foley, have launched a new campaign aimed at promoting the use of e-bikes across Cork City and County. Joining me is Sandy McGrosey, who is coordinator of the Transport and Mobility Forum and We Bike Cork. Good morning to you, Sandy. Morning. Uh, You're welcome. This is Cork Bike Week. Talk to me about the advantages of an e-bike. I suppose you get all the normal advantages that you would get on a a normal push bike in that um, it's much healthier, it's great for your mental health, um, it's cheap, it's very environmentally friendly, but I suppose the advantage the e-bike gives you is that it flattens the hills and we have so many hills in Cork, especially in the north side. I live in Cove actually and y'all as well as full of hills. Um, So the e-bike really kind of gives you that extra bit of power to to flatten those hills and you can increase your distance by a lot. We have people um, commuting every day on their e-bike from places like Inishannon into the city, from Kinsale into the city. So they really do offer that extra um, bit of push for you to go further and to, to travel over hilly hilly areas. And as well then for, for maybe people who have mobility issues, um, you know, it kind of gives people that that sense that um that the power will kick in when you need it. Um, you can turn off your the, the the motor if you want and just cycle without it if you want to get that that extra exercise in. But um when you do put on the assistance um you, you get that that safety really and that and, and getting people on bikes or e-bikes and getting them out of their cars this is all going to help with our carbon emissions isn't it I mean this is what it's, this is good for the environment uh, absolutely of course that's what we want we want to reduce our carbon emissions and e-bikes would will, will do that even if you consider their the manufacturing of them and the maintenance and the disposal they still have far less carbon emissions per kilometre than your bus or your electric car or your, your normal car Okay, stay there because I want to bring in, I want to go to Clonakilty where Jack Kelleher uh, joins me and he is an e-bike user. Good morning to you, Jack. Good morning. Uh, You're an e-bike user and I was reading up about you yesterday. You're an e-bike user for quite uh, some time. You once viewed electric bikes as toys for the unfit. What what changed your mind? (laughs) Steady drip, drip, drip of uh, sensibility being applied. And maybe age. <laughs> as, as I got as I got older, I, I got more interested in e-bikes. Have you always been a lover of bicycles, though? All my life, I got my first bike when I was seven years old, and I've also always wanted to put some kind of power on on bikes just for fun. Because even if it's a toy, it's a fun fun toy to have have power on a, on, on a bicycle. And as people get older, they, that's where the e-bike can really help. Because, you know, as Sandy is compl- was explaining, when you need that extra little bit of power, that's where the e-bike helps you out. Yeah, it's helped, it's helped me, to be honest. I, I came to uh, West Cork uh, 10 years ago and uh, with a, an analog bike, uh, which I really love and still, still cycle on. But uh, I found 
daily commuting on on that bike uh it's very difficult because i i live uh in artfield down by the ocean and then come up come up the hill to Ardfield and down the hill to I know, I know that's hell yeah well it, yeah it's, yeah it's a terrible uh, hill to mount and I, I use the, I use my bicycle for my grocery shopping and and so with the e-bike I can load up my panniers and and get up the hills uh, just very easily and and that alone makes it worth it but as as I'm sure uh, Sandy's been saying they extend your range, and I'm I'm riding further than I have in years now. Uh, just you know, just a weekend dawdle, I might go forty kilometers. Whoa! Whoa. And, uh, and just just to get out into the air, it's fun. And uh, it certainly it it obviously is keeping you very fit. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> there, there are people who tease me about being unfit. But I'm pretty fit. Well, if you're doing 40 kilometres on a good weekend, uh, Jack, that, that that to me is is a fit. And you and, and it's it's coincidental that we have you on the programme because only a couple of weeks ago, a listener in Clonakilty drew our attention uh, to you um, and was was talking about the fact that you're involved with the voluntary bicycle clinic, the the bike circus, I think it's called, isn't it? In yeah. Cl- in in, in Clonakilty, tell me about that. The bike circus is a tool share public membership organization right now we've got uh, probably about 200 members with more than 150 paid members but we have some other members and family members and so it's hard to say but we're a great organization uh it's kind of a way of life we help people learn how to fix their own bikes we have an apprentice program where people can learn to be professional bikes technicians bike mechanics uh, with a hundred hours of hand, hand out hands-on work and uh, so we've got a lot going on and it's got a tremendous community response in Clonakilty. people are bringing their bikes in and fixing their own bikes learning how to fix fix their own bikes and at any given time we've got about nine apprentices going through who help me maintain the uh, bike hire bikes from the Clonakilty bike rental scheme. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. So, and is, is Clonakilty a safe place to cycle, Jack? Clonakilty is a great place to cycle. Yeah. And uh, what really makes it the best is that people are, are, are kind to cyclists. And the, people don't understand that road users in and around Ireland are generally very good to cyclists. They give us room. They wave. Uh, they smile. Things are really good here, and Clon's uh, a fun, fun place to cycle around. And there are lots of byways out to the beaches, and, and all that makes it great too. Well, you get you're blessed with the scenery as well, because um, Sandy, we often get people complaining about cyclists. Do you think Cork is is a safe place for cyclists? I think, yeah, I think in in general it is. Um, and, like, we have six other ambassadors, actually, that are dotted all over the county and the city. And, like, from what we're hearing from their experience cycling e-bikes around um, county roads is that they feel safer on their e-bike um, in that it's sturdier. 
um, it gives them that extra bit of power. You know, if they turn a, a corner and there's an unexpected hill, they know I, I can get up this. I don't have to kind of panic and, or get off my bike. Um, or if they're stopped at a traffic light, they have the power to kind of start again, you know, and they're not worried about that. Um, and we're seeing more and more infrastructure being um, built around the city and the county. And, um, you know, we, we, we feel that the city and the county councils are on board um, and, and there'd be more and more safe segregated cycle lanes popping up. Um, I mean, in time we'll have um, a bike lane from the Dunkettle roundabout near there that'll go all the way to, to Carrick Tool and then it'll oh, fantastic. to the Middleton and, and your yeah. old Greenway and ultimately in, in, in a short space of time you'll be able to cycle you know, on these greenways and these segregated lanes throughout the county. Um, it'll take time to get there, but, you know, countries which have high, high levels of cycling, they they started, like countries like the Netherlands and Germany, they started in the 60s and, you know, it's taken a few decades to get to the, like, levels that they're at now. And, and the but we'll get, we, 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 we'll, we'll get there. We will get there. And, and, and when, when you there, talk about you know, ambassadors for cycling, you couldn't have a better ambassador than Jack. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> and what the, the bike circuits are doing, they're amazing. We, we have Cork Community Bikes as well, they're based um, in Cork City and they they run a similar kind of a community workshop um, and, and they'll help you convert your push bike into an e-bike if that's what you want to do. Um, we also have City View Wheels, they're a retailer in the city that, that sell e-bikes and that, that will offer you a free trial. Um, but, but on our website, we actually, the webike.ie um, website, we have video clips of each of our seven ambassadors and like their stories are just so amazing. You've got a mother who has an e-cargo bike in the city and she cycles her two kids around. She brings all her shopping in it. Um, we've an older couple actually, they're retired up in Mallow and they cycle all around the Mallow area on their e-bikes. Um, we've got a, a 19-year-old um, guy down in Kinsale who has muscular dystrophy and his e-bike um, enables him to cycle with all his friends, family. He's Brilliant, and, and, and it gives him independence. And Jack, yeah. I suppose what you would say is you're never too young or too old to get on a bike, Jack. No, you're, ne- <laughs> you're never either one. I, I, it's no secret. I just celebrated my 78th birthday. I was, I, I, I said I would let you say it yourself because you don't yeah. sound it. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> okay, and, and, and will you be on your bike today? Uh, I'm on it every day. I'm, I actually daily commute on uh, an e-bike that I got at City View Wheels. And uh, it's a lovely bike. And uh, just just the perfect thing for cycling around Clonakilty. And are they expensive? Somebody wants to know. Is an e-bike expensive? You can get into an e-bike for as little as uh, maybe 600 euro for a conversion motor to convert your own bike to an e-bike and then up. Yeah. You can, you can spend 5,000 euro on an e-bike and I'm, I'm the easiest touch in the world for that. Like every cyclist Every bicycle I see, I want to own and ride and play with. <laughs> were, were you follow, Were you following the Tour de France? Did you see Sam Be- Bennett's win? I I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Ah, and amazing! I was delighted. It was amazing. It was absolutely uh, amazing. Just, just to say, Patricia, as well, there's yeah. the bike to work scheme. There is. There is. There's grants available, yeah, isn't there? Yeah. And uh, they recently increased 
the um, amount for an e-bike to 1500 so if you were to buy like your average kind of mid-range e-bike would be about two and a half grand let's say so you know you'd get about 750 euro off that through the bike to work scheme um, and the credit unions as well and they're a partner in this um, campaign they're offering um, loans um, which can just give you that extra bit if, if you Brilliant. need Brilliant. or cover the whole cost of the e-bike. Okay, listen, uh, continue um, uh, to enjoy your, your bike cycling uh, jack around you. As I say, you're living a lovely neck of the woods uh, for us. Sandy, good luck with this week, particularly being Cork Thanks. Bike Week. Yeah, and today is um, Car Free Day as well, International Car Free Day. Get out of your car, lads, and uh, on your bikes. <laughs> Even just try it for one day. <laughs> listen, it was a pleasure to speak to you both. Thank you for thanks. that, thanks and thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye, that is. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Sandy McGrothy, who is the coordinator of the Transport and Mobility Forum and We Bike Cork and also uh, the lovely Jack Kelleher. Uh, anyone down around Clonakilty will have spotted Jack out and about on his bike and that, that voluntary bike clinic that he runs, the bike circus, really is amazing and it's just community spirit at its very best. 1850 We have Sadie and John Paul taking your calls. Anything you want to share with us today, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Okay. Some of your calls coming in and text. Firstly, uh, Somebody just making the point when we were talking about Cork Bike Week and uh, one of their ambassadors, uh, Jack uh, Kelleher, uh, 78 years young and he's flying around Clannacilty on his bike and doing wonders with the voluntary bike clinic as well. He's more than just a biking enthusiast. He wants to share his enthusiasm with others, which is fantastic to see. Uh, somebody just by texting, he's a top guy. Yeah, and he came across as a really, really nice person. He's kind of one of those, every now and again when you get to interview people, you kind of think, God, oh, you'd love to sit and speak with Jack for hours on end because as far as I know he's a retired judge as well from the United States and I'd say he's one of those guys that I would say has an amazing story life story to share and even to hear him talk about the, you know he's, he had electric bikes before anybody had electric bikes because he always had he loved bicycles and wanted to do something to propel them to make them go further so he always had that interest in uh, bikes but lovely lovely man thank you for that uh, text to 0862103103 somebody else is wondering uh, about the other care choice homes are they closed this is when we got the news earlier today um, here on the programme it broke the story well it was confirmed that the Care Choice Nursing Home in Montanati uh, has a case. The number of positive uh, COVID-19 tests at the home is not being released and that's for reasons of uh, privacy. Uh, and we're assuming that it is fully closed to visitors whenever there's an outbreak of COVID-19 or a case of COVID-19 in a nursing home. They limit all visitors. But we haven't heard that the, any of the other Care Choice homes are affected because it's only the one in Montanati that has the case. So I would assume that all of the other Care Choice homes are still open to visitors. Now I know all of the nursing homes that are open to visitors, it's restricted visitors and you have to book your time slots and all of that. But if you have any concerns, I would suggest you ring the Care Choice home that you are speaking about. But we certainly have heard, haven't heard anything to suggest that other Care Choice homes are uh, closed at the moment to visitors. And on the spreading of slurry, 
This was kicked off this morning by a listener who is complaining about the slurry, lethal slurry spreading is what the listener put in the text. Can't go out, can't hang the washing out, the smell from it. Something needs to be done and needs to be stopped and somebody really, really having a right rant about slurry spreading this morning. Well, that's prompted someone to say, Patricia, would you ever tell those people who are moaning about slurry to please stop moaning. Move to a city, move to a town, move to a built up area if you don't like the smell of the countryside. 22 years of living in London and that came with pros and cons. It's the same no matter where you live there will be pros and cons to anywhere where you are living. Now we've others on. Uh, Derek agrees with the lady who contacted us with regards to the slurry. Derek says the smell is awful. Derek suffers from a respiratory condition and he says the soon Soon as the surrey starts to get spread in his area, he can feel the effect on his breathing. He said, I understand the farmers have to spread slurry, but really there should be laws as to how far from a person's house or a dwelling that they can spread the slurry. Surely they cannot spread it right behind somebody's home, as is the case with Derek. There's a field behind Derek's house which is owned by a farmer and he feels it is too close to his home and yet the farmer does spread slurry. Now I don't, I was trying to find out what are the rules and regulations about spreading near dwelling houses. So just when the news at 12 was on I just did a quick uh, Google search. Maybe somebody in the farming community can tell me uh, what is the correct about around the spreading of slurry. I know there's times of the year that you can do it and the conditions should be right for the spreading spreading of it. But from what I can understand, the spreading of slurry falls under a European regulation and it's the good agriculture practice for protection of the waterways. And that gives legal effects to Ireland in the nitrates direction, which obviously is the spreading of slurry. And in according with the requirements of the regulations, all fertiliser must be stored, and it needs to be managed in a responsible manner to ensure the protection of the water quality because that's, you know, that's obviously that's the first aim is to make sure that none of the slurry ends up in, in our waterways. But it says from a piece I'm just seeing online that the regulations do not specify distances in relation to spreading fertiliser in proximity to dwellings. Because somebody was saying, does it not need to be 50 metres away from a dwelling house? So I don't know. So if anybody can let, let us know what happens there. And, and I'm assuming most farmers do the best that they can in trying not to spread it near a neighbour's home because who wants to fall out with a neighbour over the spreading of slurry? But, you know, as... Derek is saying he understands that the farmers have to spread it, but he's certainly suffering from a respiratory illness. He says he he definitely notices an effect when the slurry is spread. And Angela says, we purchased a house in a housing estate outside a town, but it is close to the countryside. But like the caller who initially contacted you, we are finding the smell of slurry very, very hard to deal with. The field behind the estate where Angela's house is built it was has been sprayed with slurry. And while we all understand that has to be done, I would have thought it should be further away from our housing estate and not the field directly behind our homes. It's awful. And to think 40 
homes are affected by it. When the slurry has been spread, we can't hang out our washing. We can't sit out. We've had a wonderful sunshine recently. We haven't been able to sit out due to this. I can see the farmer's side totally, but could the farmers not see our side of it? The fact that we are living so close. If the town is moving out into the countryside, I feel the local authorities need to talk to the farmers living around where these houses are going to be built. I also feel laws need to be put in place on how close slurry can be spread when it comes to a housing estate. 1850-333-103. Cathy sees it completely differently. And I'm take it, Cathy is a good country girl. She says slurry is a good, healthy smell. Sees nothing wrong with it at all. 1850-333-103. Sheila wants to know, could anybody help please? Does anybody know the name of the girl from Cork who was singing on Nationwide last night? Did I see Nationwide last night? I don't think I did. There was a girl from Cork singing on it. Does anybody know who the, the name of that person, please? 1850-333-103. And unfortunately, Dan's question came in when we were talking about it being Cork Bike Week and encouraging people to get on their bikes, be it an e-bike or a normal bike. Dan wants uh, to know when we were talking, particularly with Jack and Sandy, about cycling, do you wear a high-vis jacket on your bike? I don't, I, and I, don't, I can't answer for Jack or uh, Sandy. I certainly would suggest if you're going out anywhere cycling that the, you would you would wear a high-vis vest. I would suggest wearing it at all times. Don't know if it's mandatory or not, but I think from a safety point of view, you would be safer because it is always safer to be seen. And on masks that we spoke about yesterday, or earlier, the mandatory wearing of masks and is there a need now for some kind of assistance to be put in place for people who, because of health reasons, can't wear a mask. Pat says, Morning Patricia, it is now time for doctors to start issuing some kind of a card to people who do have brief breathing problems and who find it difficult to wear a face covering. It's hard enough to breathe without uh, stupid people making it harder says Pat and questioning you as to why you're not wearing a face covering. So maybe it's time for doctors to issue. Well that's what we were talking about today with Councillor Riley Lynch and the Landyard. That would be an identifying marker that somebody by doctor's views is not able to wear a face uh, covering but the fear is that if we bring in the lanyard, would it be abused? And straight away, when you say issue a card, you think of the disabled parking discs and how they are already abused. And we do know, certainly from some of our listeners, doctors seem to be slow about even giving a letter to somebody to say, no, you don't need to wear a face mask because of whatever, you know, COPD, whatever it is, breathing difficulty you suffer from. Doctors seem to have been very slow about issuing those uh, letters. We've heard other doctors have been good about giving them out. But then, as people are saying, if you're having a problem with wearing a face mask and we know it's mandatory, then why not get one of the visors uh, instead? And somebody else was, was just on visors was wondering, you know, the sort of half visors that you see some people wearing. I certainly have seen some people in restaurants wearing them. Somebody is wondering where you can actually buy those. You know, they're the smaller visor. Here it is. Morning, Patricia. Where can you get the visor that just covers your nose and mouth, please? Have you seen those? I was in a restaurant uh, lately and all the staff uh, were wearing them. Um, and, and I know I was chatting with somebody in that particular restaurant and, and they, they were saying that they got them online. Haven't seen them on sale anywhere. But what I would suggest is if going to your chemist and asking your chemist, because certainly chemist shops were the first to start selling the visors, the full face visors, even though now 
I've seen them inside department stores. I think I saw them in a, in a garage the other day as well. Everybody is selling the full face visors. But this, the one this listener is looking for is just the one that covers your, kind of comes down tightly across your nose and across your cheeks and it just covers your nose and your mouth. If anybody has seen one of those on sale, can you let us know? 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your call. And Mary said the girl that was singing on Nationwide last night was Mags McCarthy from Dripsy. My God, she was absolutely super. So Mags McCarthy from Dripsy. That was the girl who was singing on Nationwide. Thank you. And I can see a number of other people. Somebody said, that girl was from Dripsy. I can't recall her name. Her name is Margaret McCarthy. Somebody else said she's Carrie Galine. Uh, so I'm getting Carrie Galine or Dripsy, but it is Margaret or Mags McCarthy. Well done, Mags McCarthy. By all accounts, your singing was superb last night. 1850-333-103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Mallow Active Retirement. They're holding a collection for Marymount Hospice. It's in Carragoon GAA Club. It's happening tomorrow Wednesday between 12 noon and 1pm. It's instead of their usual coffee morning for the hospice which obviously can't be held due to COVID-19. Ballancolic GAA Club, they're hosting a coffee morning. That's a native Marymount Hospice that's on this Thursday 9.30am to 2pm please support and uh, ensure social distancing measures are adhered to and West Cork Toastmasters are inviting you to join their open day by Zoom link that's happening this Saturday for a flavour of their topics for more you can see West Cork Toastmasters on Facebook or you can email westcorktm at gmail.com to get a Zoom link Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now a huge, huge number of texts and comments coming in to do with slurry and there's that divided view between uh, people who live in the countryside and then people who perhaps once upon a time lived in a more urban area and then moved to a rural area and don't like the smell of the slurry and it's kind of that urban-rural divide. Let me give you some of the uh, texts coming in. The slurry was there before the new houses were built. Live with it. Our grasses won't be green anymore if we don't spread slurry and it's only for a short-lived space of time. Just get on with it. Eileen and Clance this morning, Patricia. Regarding the people who were giving out about the aroma of farm fertiliser, was the land being farmed when those houses were being built in the field in the countryside? Do the people think that their septic tank smells of roses? Reality check here, please. No one complained of farmers and their tractors during the beast from the east when they needed their cars or their jeeps towed out of the snow. Farmers are farming the land first, well before people decided to buy and build houses in housing estates in the rural areas of towns and cities. Please don't throw SHIT at the farmers for doing their job. Apologies for the use of language. I spelt the word rather than using the bad language because it might be offensive to some. That's from Eileen in Clan. Thank you for that, uh, Eileen. Meg said, so are farmers to abandon all of the fields that are around houses? I don't think so. And then when I said, farmers are doing the best and they try not to spread too near houses, somebody said, 
said, Patricia, farmers are doing their best. Are you joking? Some maybe, but I feel they are few and far between. Someone else says, as far as I know, farmers are meant to inject it into the soil and not spread it like some of them uh, do. And just let me look as I can see a number of texts uh, coming in. Liz says Hi Patricia, farmer knew me in Riverstick has an injection system machine for his slurry spreading. Where the slurry is injected down into the ground, it greatly reduces the smell. Now, do I take it that that's a more costly way of doing it, Liz? Is that is it a harder way of spreading slurry? I don't know, but well done to that farmer in River Stick. Uh, Liz says that's uh, what that farmer is doing. Um, I think that's all the ones on the. It is yeah, all the ones on the. Okay, and there's a few others, but they're just of a similar vein to that. Where people who are living in the countryside said, "Suck it up, you have to get used to it." It's one of the. Somebody said there's pros and cons to no matter where you uh, live. And then on the wearing of masks, those people making stupid comments are wearing. You wear a mask to protect your. You wear a mask to protect other people. Return the favour, please. If you can't wear a mask, would you please wear a visor? instead and hi for the listeners inquiring where to buy the half visors you can get them from a company called Freshen Up Cork he sells them two for five euro and it's a name by the by the a name a, a guy by the name of John O'Reilly it's Freshen Up Cork if somebody is looking for them someone else then was on about what do people think of the visor that fits under the chin and comes up over the nose the reverse now of the one that I'm talking about that goes over the nose and covers the nose and the mouth. I don't know if I have seen this type of visor. It fits under the chin and then comes up over the nose. So I'm assuming it just covers the mouth and the nose. Now we know, and we've had medical experts on about uh, on about this, the, the best way to protect other people is to wear the face covering the actual piece of material across your mouth. But if you can't, then the next best is a visor. But a visor is not as good as a face mask. We know the health experts have said that, but a visor is certainly better than nothing. But I don't know, I haven't seen the one that you're talking about. Have others seen it? And what do others think of? It's a visor that fits under the chin and just comes up over the nose. And then for people that are talking about being out and about with underlying health conditions and people that have breathing problems and that they're saying they find it very difficult to wear a face mask, a person is pondering and wondering if you have an underlying health condition that causes you problems with breathing. What business do these people have out? Surely they should be indoors shielding that they shouldn't be going out into supermarkets and they shouldn't be going out into shops if they have an underlying condition because surely they are more at risk of picking up COVID-19. That's what one listener thinks that they should be staying indoors instead. Now Bridget said you can get nose and mouth visors in Dan Toomey's drapery shop in uh, McCroom. If people are they the ones that people are talking about though the half ones people are talking about the ones that just to the nose or the nose and the mouth okay Dan Toomey's uh, drapery shop and that is in uh, McCroom Um, Hi Patricia says Eileen a waitress uh, was wearing one of those masks that you're talking about the one that just covers the nose and the mouth I actually asked her said Eileen say where'd she get it and she said her her boss bought them somewhere in Ballincollig hope that's of help okay yeah and I know the waitress that I asked uh, said that they they bought them online 1850 uh, 333103 is anybody going for their flu vaccine 
The reason I ask is actually we're I'm, I'm going this afternoon uh, and we've opted uh, myself and uh, my husband and Marcia we're going as a little bubble and we're going to the chemist uh, to get it. Now normally I would take Marcia, you know, Marcia obviously being special needs would always get the flu vaccine. I've had the flu vaccine once or twice and obviously as her carer I should always be getting the flu vaccine and definitely we've decided we're all getting the flu vaccine uh, this year. I normally I normally go to the doctor but I know that the GP practices are under pressure at the moment and I know that the GP practices are not encouraging people to go in to where possible. They do everything now over the phone and I know that up that upsets and annoys some people who are not happy with that system. But that does seem to be the system that's, that's in place for most GP practices. But of course, to get a flu vaccine, you're going to have to actually go in in person. But I was in my chemist, the chemist that I regularly use last week, and there was a sign up saying that from today they're offering the flu vaccine. So I had a chat with one of the lovely girls that works in the chemist and we're booked in to get our flu vaccine this afternoon. So we said the three of us will go together. So I'm just wondering how many people have already had their flu vaccine. Did you get your, your flu vaccine yet? Because I came to work then this morning and going through the papers, the front page of the Irish Independent has a kind of a worrying story to say that there's delays in the delivery of the flu vaccine. And now there is, according to this article, mounting concerns over a catfight to get a hold of as much vaccine that doctors and pharmacies are actually going to going to need. And a letter seemingly has been sent out this week to GPs and to pharmacies right across the country confirming that there are delays to the deliveries of flu vaccine into Ireland this year. And oh my God, this year more than ever we need the flu vaccines. There will be... Uh, the, the, now, it's going to arise even though the HSE is stressing the huge importance, particularly for the at-risk groups and the frontline workers and the frontline staff telling everybody you need to get your flu jab and they need to keep the health workers safe or otherwise our health system is going to be completely overwhelmed. But the Department of Health says it was confident that, that sufficient supplies would arrive but they're not going to arrive. They're not here at the moment. It's going to be in the coming weeks. They say the HSE is, is in daily contact with the manufacturer. The delay is affecting all customers, not just in Ireland. So therein lies the problem. There is a worldwide, and obviously right across Europe, as all of us Europeans head into winter, every country is scrambling to try to get their hands on as many vaccines as possible. And Senator Vincent P. Martin said GPs and pharmacies are already showing grave concerns about the initial delivery and the initial rollout because this is the start of normally by now, normally by we're all, you know we're well into September. Most years by September, a lot of people would already have their flu jab. That's why I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to ask how many people have already had their flu injection, their flu jab and did you get it at your GP practice or did you get it at your pharmacy? Where did you uh, actually get it? According to Senator Vincent Martin, delivery of the vaccine has already been delayed. There's an, a number of vaccines. Some doctors have been told that the number they're getting is actually tiny and he was talking about some GPs that he was in contact with and he was saying like one GP practice said they only got 20 vaccines, a fraction of what they actually uh, need and um He's heard a lot of other similar stories from pharmacies and GPs saying they're getting very small amounts uh, of it and it's not anywhere near 
the amount that they're going to need. And the chairperson of the GP committee of the Irish Medical Organisation, he has pr- predicted confusion and he's the one saying it's becoming a bit of a cat fight. He said we're getting calls now about the flu vaccine and he said when we're speaking to our patients, you know, he said he can already know that there's eye rolling going up saying when are we going to get our flu uh, jab? So did you get your flu vaccine yet? Let us know. Or are you having problems? Is your GP telling you that they are having problems actually locating the flu uh, jab because it looks like there is just not enough. There is delay in the delivery of flu vaccines into Ireland uh, this year. More than ever, we need those jabs. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just one quick final text. Uh, it's a great text from Catherine. Says, Hi Patricia, I've seen those mini masks for sale in the Clonakilty Pharmacy. Yes, yeah, so they seem to be wide available people don't have to go online and I'm always saying they in those face masks check in with your pharmacy uh, if they don't have it they might be able to get it in for you but Catherine makes an interesting point she said at the start of this pandemic we all saw a lovely side of people whereby old and young went about feeding other people doing runs to local hospitals and services and checking in particularly on those that were cocooning and everybody pulled together and everybody helped everybody out but now says Catherine as we're sort of six months into this pandemic we seem to have turned into a nation of whistleblowers watching and reporting on each other the virus is winning while we're all fighting with each other for God's sake says Catherine take responsibility for yourself and for your children should I work in a hospital setting and I'm tired of listening to who was where what what was up to you never guess what they were doing let's get back to the start where we were all in this together and let's try and mind each other uh, and then she goes on to say she was last year that Marcia got on well uh, last week going back to day's services thank you for that Catherine and you're right you, you're, you're right we have become a nation of everybody and everybody knows somebody who's breaching breaking some rules that they shouldn't be breaking and did you see that one and did you hear what this one was doing and all of that and where uh, let's get back to the basics where we did and that was the one real plus if you could find a plus for COVID-19 was at that very beginning stage how we all did pull together in the early days of lockdown and we can get back to that again as well if we really want to. Thank you Catherine and stay safe and thank you for your text. 1850 Let me go to uh, Joe uh, Heffernan on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you Joe. Good afternoon Patricia. And, and I know you want to start by saying thanks to people who've been very kind to you uh, with uh, when you were unwell with your back and all of that. Yes, and I got some lovely cards, Did you? Uh, texts, um, and, you know, uh, a couple of phone calls with good wishes, um, uh, wishing me well, uh, and, you know, as they say, get well soon. Um, IACP, that I am um, accredited by, were in touch, and, um, you know, um, uh, a certain golf club um, were... Uh, okay, Killarney, um, uh dropped the line. Haven't seen you in a while. Um, wish you well. Um, things like that um, that one wouldn't expect, really. Um, lovely uh, to hear. And many people just ringing to say, Hi, Joe, heard you weren't well. Wish you well. Hope you're, you know, better. And they're, they're, it's those small things, isn't it, that keep you going when you are a bit under the weather or if you are housebound because you're not well or if you're housebound because of uh, COVID-19. Those little things of somebody picking up the phone and are sending you a text or a card, whatever it is, they're small things 
But they can mean the world to somebody. They can indeed. I mean, um, you know, uh, my absence now down west, um, you know, uh, one would say hundreds of members and all that. And um, there you are. It, you, it was noticed that you weren't around. Um, and uh, when the news was there about not being well, a nice card to say, it's you know, nice. get it's well nice. soon. OK, and how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well now. Good. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm a hundred times better than I was. Good. Good. Um, yeah. Long yeah. and so long, long may it continue. Okay. Yeah. Now today on the program we have discussed on many many occasions addiction on uh, this slot, but you want to talk today about cocaine and cocaine use. Yeah. I. Um, <clears throat> it's just that. There has been an increase in people that I would have been talking with um, where cocaine uh, has become uh, a problem or even the problem. Um, Apparently, um, we're one of the highest uh, cocaine users as a country in the EU. uh, at the high end of that uh, uh, statistic would be Spain, UK, Italy, Ireland and Denmark. And these five countries account for 1.7 million or 62% of the estimated 2.7 million users in the past 12 months in the 15 to 34 age groups. Wow, that's, uh, that's quite a shocking statistic. It is. It and, is. and the thing with cocaine, Joe is its availability. The availability yeah. is now unbelievable. Um, if you can't meet someone, uh, well, you, uh, it is more like you can't avoid someone. Um, uh, whether I know we haven't been in the pubs and that, but, um, you know, uh, social media is being used quite a lot, kind of coded messages. Um, uh from what I'm hearing anyway, and it wouldn't be like theoretical, it would be from uh, genuine people telling me that um, that the uh, availability is um, is quite simple. In fact, um, there would be um, quite a few people who would be trying to avoid any contact with the drug um, who would be, for example, trying to uh, get off the drug, but um, it's very hard to lose uh, contact or not to be contacted by um, people who are uh, in the um, uh, distribution uh, system. Um, And the argument that you will hear from people who use cocaine, oh, it's a recreational drug. And that's really misleading because, I mean, there's evidence there. People get addicted to cocaine, don't they? Absolutely. And and it's a pretty horrific addiction. I, I mean, I'm not talking theory and I'm not talking out of a book or a report or anything else. I'm talking about real people that I would sit down with and talk with. And uh, and getting off it is um, is uh, is quite a struggle. Now, like every struggle, it can be won. Um, uh, 
uh, I, I know that my, my colleague there and they do a great job in brewery uh, Michael Gillen uh, um, was talking to you not too terribly long ago um, I remember uh, hearing him uh, quoting some figures and that uh, on the news um, uh, some time ago and uh, the figures were, were startling it was like um I think the word being used was, although it's such a bad word now, that was uh, an epidemic, really. Mm. Um, and uh, the three most common drugs uh, for people seeking treatment now uh, in, um, uh, in, in, in treatment centres um, uh, would be, you know, the, 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 the heavy opiates like heroin, um, cannabis and... Um, uh, the cocaine would be uh, in at number three, and I would say I would definitely say, from what I'm hearing, rising. Um, it's not um, a fun drug. It's not a recreational drug. It's something that can take hold and can be extremely, extremely addictive. Okay, and, and while the person, when the person takes the cocaine, by all accounts, it gives this initial high, and every yeah. oh, the world is great, and that's the that's the short term high, and it is a short term high. But then it's the the knock on and the long term effect after that high, isn't it? Yes, and and it's the seeking that high again, and then instead of seeking a high, a person finds that they're seeking just normality. In other words. Um, they're um, taking cocaine uh, to start the day, to get through the day. Now, that's when that's when things are, you know, completely out of hand. Um, it's uh, uh, it's no longer um, the kind of uh, uh, rare uh, uh, as the I, I you know I hate the word like recreational drug use. Yeah, but, but, uh, it's but it, no star- yeah, it started out with, oh, I just have it on a Saturday night when I'm out partying with the friends. Yeah. And suddenly, very quickly, you can go from there to needing it on a Monday morning just to get out of bed. You can. Exactly. Exactly. You couldn't put it better. And there can be intense depression. A person can be very edgy. There can be a frightful craving for more of the drug. Um, uh, sleep can go very badly. And indeed, um, a person can feel paranoid, angry, hostile, anxious, um, and there can be physical, um, uh, you know, repercussions as well, like uh, increased heart rate, uh, muscle spasms, even convulsions. So that I mean, it's um, it's becoming a very serious. Uh, it well, it always was. But it's 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 coming to the fore now as being, um, yeah, we'll use the word so I can't think of a better one, an epidemic really, and the availability is startling and scary, really scary. Do you think COVID nineteen has made it worse? I think COVID nineteen has made it worse. Um, people are, uh, you know, meeting um, in small groups. Um, uh, there are messages on some of the um, uh, w- w- what we'll call the encrypted 
social networks and um, uh, I think the usage has most definitely increased. I suppose people's um, uh, outlets for ordinary um, uh, legitimate highs um, like going out for a, for a night, uh, going to the cinema, uh, going out for a meal, um, uh, all of that. Um, uh, the fact that those things are not available, I suppose, makes people turn towards um, other uh, 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 highs, um, uh, and especially those who have dabbled before. One of the great bits of news I had recently, um, there was a person telling me that they had attended um, an NA meeting. Um, actually, the same person who was telling me uh, was was telling me that they attended a meeting in Mallow. Um, for uh, Narcotics Anonymous. I it's was the same as AA, but it's for drugs. back in business okay. um, in a very safe way. Now, to just give you uh, the NA South um, uh, number, is uh, 087-1386-120, and that's from 6 to 9 p.m. Just maybe to make an inquiry as to where there are meetings. The um, the uh, the website is uh, nasouth.ie, very simple, all small, nasouth.ie, and the, uh, the, um, the email is info at nasouth. Dot IE. So that I mean, uh, it's it's uh, uh, it's possible to get some solid. You won't get more solid information anywhere than you will from treatment centres and NA and people who know what they've been through and uh, you know they know the territory and uh, and can be extremely helpful. But your message to people who are identifying with what we're talking about today and know that they have a problem particularly it's cocaine we're talking about today but your message is recovery is possible. Absolutely and it's also good to hear I've been hearing recently about um, fantastic methods of entry uh, to treatment centres where there's um, uh, safety from COVID-19, where there's testing, where there's um, uh, some um, uh, quarantining for uh, a while uh, on entry. But um, uh, there was one person working in a treatment centre telling me that they do a COVID-19 test and um, and that the person is uh, not... Um, uh, accepted into the treatment centre only under those conditions. Oh, only that they've and, covered, uh, yeah. and it's working extremely That's well. That's brilliant. All right. Okay, listen, Joe, have a good week. Mind yourself and we'll talk, we'll talk again next Tuesday. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Joe Heffernan, who runs the council practice in Boerbui. His number is 029-7617. Somebody's wondering if you go to the chemist to get your flu vaccine is, if you've got a medical card, is it free? As far as I know it is, but I'll confirm that when I go along uh, this afternoon for you and somebody else hoping flu will be mild this year because of masks and face washing. That's where I leave it. Thanks to Sadie and John Paul. Talk to Tomorrow. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.